Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, the podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad. I have back with me fan favorite, Father Joe Rampino. Father Joe, welcome back. Thanks so much. Good to see you. And today we are going to talk about um, a video that I was just watching before while I was waiting for you to come on the Zoom, uh, which is a video on YouTube. Uh, Maybe we can link to it in the show notes, um, uh, which talks about how hexagons are the bestagons. So the premise... The, the premise of this video is that um, hexagons are the best shape ever. And then the guy explains why hexagons are the best shape ever. And it's really interesting. Like it, it talks about. To be fair, it's a spectacular channel. The dude does. He does his work. Yeah. And he has a good, a good video, like one of the best videos I've ever seen about like how you become Pope, which is actually like really, really accurate, um, much more so than most other things you see. But anyway, hexagons. So he talks about like like why bees make things hexagonally shaped because it's like the most efficient way to like to do these different things. And, and it, it's based on the principles of a hexagon itself. It's the only thing that that tile uh, tiles like in a certain way. And 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 I, I can't explain it all. Just watch the video. But like what, what it calls to mind for me is like there's a lot of descriptions of like, OK, they do these things for this reason. Mm. And when anyone who's studying science like starts talking like that, it it strikes me as particularly interesting because mm-hmm. it is a way of describing things according to final causality that something is right. done for reasons. So maybe we can I'll kick it to you yeah. with that. Can we yeah. let's talk about final causality? Let's talk causality generally, right? So causality um, is a way of answering uh, what questions we might have about a thing, right? So for anybody who's not done um, Aristotelian philosophy before. Uh, this is actually not not too not too esoteric. Uh, this is pretty straightforward. So when you're talking about causality, you're answering questions about a reality. So when we're saying final causality, we mean uh, towards what end does this thing tend, or what purpose does it have? What is it always trying to do? Um, other types of causality would be, let's say, efficient causality. What is making someone do something or something act in a certain way? So if, you know, I'm playing baseball and I, you know, I swing a bat and the ball, you know, I hit the ball and it you know, flies out in the outfield. The efficient causality of the ball flying into the outfield is my changing its angular momentum by swinging a bat and yeah. making, right? That's efficient causality. If you want to talk about formal causality, you're asking, what is the form of this thing? What is it? And we can talk about, well, the baseball. If we're asking, asking, what is the formal causality of the baseball? Well, it's a ball. It's a baseball. Yeah. Uh, we're answering the what here. What is the essence of the thing? But final causality gets into purpose, which is what makes it so interesting. Um, the final causality of my swinging is victory, right? I'm swinging so as to score points so as to win the game, right? That's the purpose behind what I do. And so when you get into discussions, and I, I have the same, um, I have the same uh, kind of fascination with when, let's say, an evolutionary biologist uh, talks about, you know, some kind of system within uh, a creature, within a, a human person, or within another animal that has a certain purpose, uh, because it, it's it's so strange that uh, a system that seems only to allow for what we would call efficient causality mm-hmm. would all of these all of a sudden be talking in different ways right because yeah. it seems like the physical sciences are all about uh physical proximate 
causes, just efficient causality. What is making a thing do another thing? Um, so to get into like essence, what is the thing in its essence is kind of feels foreign in, in the world of the physical sciences, but certainly goodness talking about purpose because purpose requires someone. It requires person <clears throat> to decide in a certain sense, what is to be done. Uh, we could argue that whether or not, you know, but we won't get into that. That's basically well, yeah, it, 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 it does. And it's interesting. Like we, we almost as scientific modern people, we should be able to, we should be say, well, everything's just random. And it just so happens that because of certain forces, this happens to be this way, but things are so finely tuned in a lot of ways. And I know that's, that's a loaded term if you've read any <laughs> scientific literature, but like things are tuned to, and, and, and biologists like can't help but talk in terms of final causality. They say, you know, I just the other day I was in Florida and I saw this lizard who, when it breathed, it like it's its neck like stuck out this giant red kind of oh, thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was really cool. And you know, the biologist would say, "Well, that's there purposely to help signal for a mate." And it's like, "Well, why, why, why is that the case?" You know, well, you know, it just happened to evolve that way. It, it, it betrays, though, that they can't not talk about it in terms of final causality that's done for a purpose, for a reason, and that this purpose is tuned to the to the goal that it's trying to achieve, which is to attract a mate or whatever, whatever right. that thing is, is, is there for. And <laughs> um, when we when we this happens, when we without, you know, if you're if, if a scientist is intellectually honest, it would it would say, you know, no matter what, like, well, OK, this happened because of random causes or it would only keep itself to cause, but it can't, you know, scientists can't help but talk in terms of that well, final causality. I think as, as, as human beings, we're incapable of living without final causality, right? Whether we believe that there's a purpose to our lives because of something like religious faith or because of something like, um, you know, deeply held conviction, or whether we just make up our final causes because we don't believe that there is one, but we make up a purpose for ourselves. Human beings can't live without reaching forward for something. We can't do it. If we don't find a purpose for ourselves or we don't find something that we love or some, something good towards which, which we can reach, we just stop, right? We stop moving and we stop thriving. So it is fascinating that there seems to be something built into us. And I would say probably just built into life itself that requires uh, this reaching for the good, that requires purpose. And we could talk about um, that from another, from another standpoint of uh, God is the ultimate mover that draws all things to himself. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but there is something fascinating that you can't really avoid yeah. talking about the reason for which we act. And, and I think what's, what's interesting about that is, okay, <laughs> Or not necessarily what's there's lots of things that are interesting about that. But what it, what it speaks about with science is that science is looking at something through a particular lens and using a particular method. And that method requires a, a rejection almost of final causality. But it's, yeah, it's a very specific tool, right? Exactly. It's a specific tool. And but like if you have night vision goggles and that's all you use to look at the world you're going to see a lot of interesting things and you're going to be able to see things that other people without them aren't going to be able to see. But if you then say that the only things that are worth seeing are worth seeing through night vision goggles, <laughs> that that prevents you from seeing more. And you can't really come to that conclusion from the night vision goggles themselves. <laughs> right. And so science says, like radical scientists say, well, the only way to know something is through the scientific method. 
which rejects formal and final causality and other ways of thinking about things philosophically. But yeah. making that statement itself is not scientific. It doesn't come from the scientific method. That requires philosophy. So, yeah. So, so <laughs> understanding the world, and we see it inherently in ourselves, as you were mentioning, it requires us to look at things in a broader perspective and with a broader right. spectrum of, of intellectual tools, you might say. I mean, the vast majority of scientists I know, <laughs> and thanks be to God, I'm, I'm blessed to know quite a few uh, who, who are in the profession in, in different branches. But I mean, the vast majority of scientists that I know would not have the intellectual hubris to say this is the only way one can look at the world. The vast majority are, are normal, humble people who would say, in fact, you know, the best scientist is the one who says, my tools do exactly this thing and only this thing. I must be humble and conservative about what conclusions I can draw based on what evidence I have. Um, but yeah, there is something to this. It, it, it's a system that only admits of efficient causality, like we said. And if you want the full human experience, you certainly have to go broader. Um, and this is why, you know, that relationship between science and philosophy ought to be a peaceful one. Mm -hmm. uh, it would, it would seem to benefit everyone if that relationship were to be peaceful or the relationship between uh, the physical sciences, philosophy, and, and religious faith and Christian faith uh, in, in our case. Uh, that should be a peaceful relationship uh, because these are spheres that work together, right? Um, that even if uh, the physical sciences are better than perhaps uh, dogmatic theology at giving us efficient causality for galaxies, which I would dare say it is, <laughs> in, in a certain sense, um, that doesn't mean that there has to be any animosity between the two. It's really generally sad whenever you see that. I, I get yeah. discouraged uh, whenever I see animosity between those two worlds that I love so dearly. But I think then, then we can draw, to wrap it up, we can draw the conclusion that we started with, which is that Science can tell us that hexagons indeed are the bestagons, <laughs> but at the same time, that question like really draws out from us something more. This understanding that there's more knowledge there that's important to to pursue. That that for there's sure. an end that the hexagon was made for it in the in the uh, pattern of uh, of the world. So, thank you. Thank hexagons are present in your uh, in your experience of the heavenly kingdom. Be <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Father Rampino, for, for musing sure. on this weird uh, topic uh, <laughs> with us tonight. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. My, um, uh, If you'd like to listen to other great uh, Catholic talks, you can find us at catholicbytespodcast.com or find us on Apple Podcasts um, or Spotify. Thank you, and God bless you. <laughs>